everybody. Welcome to our service. Welcome to church. Welcome to those listening online. Um, if you like titles, here's a title for the sermon this morning. Winning the battle from within. Winning the battle from within. I don't know whether you like battles. I don't know whether you like war films. You know, often you'll find on online or on, on the TV the, those classic films that come up in black and white. And you'll see the, the stars of the past come up. But you know, I, I think I can make these statements. I think they're true. I was trying to validate them, so don't take them as literally facts. But I think there's always a battle going on. I tried to see in, if there was some way of looking back in history to see, was there a year since Christ where there wasn't a battle going on somewhere in the world? Because there's always one going on somewhere. Now, if we just thought about it now, we only have to turn a few pages in our newspaper to come to. There's another battle going on. There's another fight going on. And that's between people, between tribes, between countries, between nations. But that's also true about our own lives. There's a battle going on. There's a battle going on for peace. Think about it. You've had a lovely weekend. You've had a glorious, peaceful time with friends and family. Everything's gone really well. And suddenly something comes to rob you of your peace. A telephone call. Um, someone who cuts you up on the way. Something that just cut, Somebody who cuts you up on the way on your journey somewhere. And suddenly your peace is getting stolen. You know, and it's not just wars and battles. It's also rumours of wars and battles. You know, we love to kind of keep on talking about the bad stuff. You know, newspapers do not sell because they have nice headlines. You know, dog, lost dog found. Grandma um, has fantastic party with five generations of, of children, great-grandchildren. You know, these things do not make the front page. They're lucky to make a newspaper, if I'm honest. What makes the front page is bad news. That seems to be what sells newspapers. So let me start with some scripture and lay down some, some principles here. 1 Timothy 4, verses 6 to 9. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the word of faith and of the good doctrine that you have carefully followed. But reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself towards godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little. But godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of acceptance. Yeah. We can find that the spiritual mirrors in the physical and the physical often mirrors in the spiritual. Do you know, if, if, if my head is a mess, probably my life's a bit of a mess too. You know, if, in, and, and if... if, if um, if I'm struggling and praying and reading the Bible, often things just kind of start to fall apart. And so as in the physical, the spiritual. And, and, and I, I, an old friend of Julia's um, used to say, uh, when, when people were kind of complaining and whinging about things, would say, stop your sniveling and get on. <laughs> Pull, yourself together. Pull yourself together. Yeah, that's it. There you go. And there's a phrase... We, we often use it. Maybe you say it to yourself, say, come on, Dave, pull yourself together. And sometimes it's about focus. Sometimes it's just about taking hold of things and taking some steps and making some decisions. But you know what? 
Procrastination is a great thing to stop us doing things. Hmm, I wonder whether I should do A or B or C or D. Hmm, I wonder whether I should do B or C or D. Hmm, should I do C or D? You know, you can see I've spent so much time even thinking about it, I've done nothing. And sometimes the best thing that we can do is just get moving. If you want to steer a ship, the best way to steer a ship is to get it moving. If you sail a yacht, if you sail a big boat, if you sail a great big tanker, to steer it, if you turn the wheel and you're not moving, nothing happens. You don't change direction because actually the rudder, the little rudder on the back of the ship actually only works when you're moving. Same in a car. If you turn your steering wheel, if you're not moving, you know, you haven't changed direction yet. You need to, there needs to be momentum and a change of direction. And I want to encourage us in our lives. If we're not moving, then change of direction has minimal effect. If we want to say, I want to be a bit fitter and healthier. Well, we need to get a bit, we need to get going. We need to get doing things. Galatians 5 verse 7 says this. You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? You ran well. So you did a good race, but what cut in on you? What got in your way? What stopped you doing what you should have been doing? It's a battle. It's a battle. So so many times, I'd ask you to think about this. Think about your week last week, whatever that was. For those people listening online, for those people listening later. Think about last week. Think about the good intentions you had to do one, two, three. And then you get to the end of that day and you think about the one thing you really wanted to do and you didn't do it. It's a battle. Sometimes we have to battle with the difference between what's important and what's urgent. And they're not the same thing. Urgent kind of goes now, 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 now. Important. If we don't do some of the important things, everything becomes urgent. You know, if we don't... If we don't plan some things and prepare some things, then suddenly we're rushing around trying to do the things. And giving us space to plan and prepare, that, that again becomes a place of battle. Our race gets spoiled by the urgent things overwhelming the important things. Galatians 5 verse 9 says this, A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Just a little bit of yeast in the, in, in the dough makes a big difference. It multiplies. Just a little bit of truth will multiply. Just a little bit of hope will multiply. If you find yourself at work with friends in a group of people and everybody's having a bit of a pity party, oh, isn't it miserable today? You can choose to join the pity party if you want to. You go, yeah, isn't it miserable? Or you could say, actually, I quite enjoy the wind. I used to fly a kite when I was a child. And we can change the conversation. Just by taking our focus off the pity party, whatever that might be, onto something that's good and wholesome and healthy. In my opinion, when humanity gets together, if we're not careful, we always drop to the lowest common denominator. And the lowest common denominator is not necessarily where we want to be. So we can choose to be a little leaven in our life. We can choose to be the little moment that lifts, that causes the bread to rise, that causes the, co the circumstances, the conversation to change can cause the fight to change. I've, I've been involved in meetings where the voices are going up and now people, instead of sitting down and talking nicely, are standing up and now they're banging the table and now they're pointing at one another. 
and you can just see how it escalates. You know, it goes from a civil conversation to an argument, and I'm sure you can all think of examples here. But you got, just, it literally goes from a conversation to a pointing and finger, and then people start saying things that they don't want to say because they're, they're heated. They've lost control of their tongue. And sometimes all we need to go is, do you know what? Here's something I thought about. We just take the conversation off in a different direction. We just drop a, a peace bomb, if there could be such a thing. A peace, or we just drop a droplet of God's presence into the moment. We just drop a word of wisdom. We just say something into the moment. And suddenly everybody goes, oh. And the conversation moves off in a different direction. The battle changes. The battle is no longer about these two people who are disagreeing. The battle has moved to... It's gone back to a peace mode. And, and you might say, well, Dave, yeah, but what about if we've got some rubbish ingredients? What about if things just aren't quite that good? Well, in Psalm 139, David wrote this. He said, for you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, so many people wrestle with who they are. And whether they're any good. And so I've, I've had people, young people, say to me, Dave, I was a mistake. And that, that might be true that they were unintended in terms of family planning with the, the mum and the dad that they've got. But you know, to label yourself a mistake is not a battle to take on. It lives with you for the rest of your life. You always default back to that setting, well, I was a mistake. That's why I'm no good at this. Win that battle. Take a stance. Choose to say, I am a child of God. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen. Let me say that to you and to those people. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen. And just read it. It's there in Psalm 139. Psalm 139 is a, a foundational a sense of identity. Where can I flee from your presence? Where, where can I go where you cannot find? Even if I go to the uttermost parts of the earth, even there your hand will guide me. David was not speaking at po just poetically here. He was speaking out of experience. If you read the life of David, he made a real big mess a number of times. So much a big mess. He was running and hiding from God, but he came back to a place and said, Lord, I'm sorry. Father God, I am sorry. Forgive me of my sin. And he repented and he turned back to God. But he remembered from the rock from which he was hewn, from the place that he was created. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And Paul writes very eloquently in, in a number of um, different letters. In Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, it says this. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Okay, so if we're made from good ingredients and God's created us, he's going to complete his work. So we start from a good source. We start from a good moment of creation. And these are battles. People battle with their identity. People battle with their self-worth. We wrestle with who we are, where we've been, what we've done, and we end up labelling ourselves as being tainted or messed up because of circumstances or situations. Another battle. You know, we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and God is going to complete the work that he begun. 
He who began a good work in you is going to complete it. That's a battle. That's a battle on a daily basis. Yes, Lord, you are still at work in my life. And I want to trust you that you will turn these things around. All things work together for good. Another quote from scripture. In 1 Timothy 1, and this is one I want to really encourage you. 1 Timothy 1 verse 18. Um, it's titled in my Bible, Fight the Good Fight. So it's not saying, hey, run away from fights. There are, there, are, there are fights where you need to take a stance. And sometimes fighting does not mean a punch needs to be thrown. Sometimes fighting does not need, mean that a word needs to be said. When I was at university... Many, many years ago, I'm not even going to bother counting. Um, I, had a, I lived in a block of accommodation and there was a Welsh guy who always liked to have a few beers and a few bevies. And I remember coming out of the student block and there was a crowd of people. And in the middle of this crowd of people was this Welsh guy and fists were up and words were being said. And everybody's going, go on, go on. And I kind of ran in because I was his friend. I ran into the middle and I just turned and I just looked at everybody. And they all looked at me and I didn't say a word. I just, I, and then I folded my arms. And I, I, I mean, some of these guys were bigger than me. Some of these were rugby players, but I just stood there and looked. I didn't say a word. And they just stopped talking. They stopped. And because they all stopped talking, the two guys in the middle kind of turned around. What's going on? And all I did was stood there. I didn't say a thing. And then they all kind of went, well, this is not going to be a fight. We'll go. And they all started to drift on. Because there wasn't an audience... The guys weren't being egged on. They weren't going up like this. They all went, oh. And they'd all, everybody just wandered off. And all I did was went and stood in the middle. So sometimes we don't need to do anything else apart from just be who God's called us to be. Sometimes we do need to say words. Sometimes we don't know what we need to, we need to say. And we need to step into a circumstance and say, Lord, I'm going to trust you right now. Scripture says, open your mouth and I will fill it. There are many times when I have not known the prayer that I should pray but I know that I should pray. That's another battle. Prayer is a battleground. Prayer, prayer is a place where we decide which hill we're going to stand on and which flag we're going to raise. You know, and in battles, if you read books about the First World War and the Second World War, and I go right back into history, and I'm not a history person, if I'm really honest with you, but there are places where people said, somebody got to the top of a hill, raised a flag, lifted their voice, and again, the spirit of the men and, and women were lifted and the, the battle went on. And the battle was won. And sometimes there needs to be a rallying cry. And sometimes the rallying cry is you. Today's a good day. Leslie got us off to a great start. You know, as, as, as we gathered for church, he said, today's a good day. Today's an incredible day. Today's a day of opportunity. And sometimes framing things is the battle. If I give you, a, and I did put some sheets of paper out on the table because I thought, well, okay, if I just gave you a sheet of paper and said, start drawing, who knows what we'd end up? If I said, okay, start, start writing some good things down. Okay, now I start to frame some things. If I don't say write on the paper, then some of you might write on the wall or write, write on each other. You know, sometimes we need to frame things. And when, when scripture says, keep on encouraging one another, keep on spurring one another onto love and good deeds. There's nothing better that we can do than encourage one another. Encouragement's a wonderful thing and it's so lost in our world. The world is so silent. 
There are so many rules and regulations and guidelines that say you can't do this and you can't do that. But keep on doing what you can do. Do something. Because momentum, is, momentum means we can be steered. Momentum means things can be shaped. So in 1 Timothy 1.18, it says this, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage a good warfare. Now I know a number of people in the room and probably a few people online and a few people listening later have had a prophetic word. God's spoken through someone to them. And wage a good warfare with that prophetic word. Do something with it. It's a battle. If God says something to you, the first thing I would suggest that often happens is doubt creeps in. Well, did I hear it right? Did I remember the words correctly? And we start twisting things and adapting things and wage a good warfare. That's one of the reasons why I encourage people, write down what God has said to you. Share it with someone. Now, why do we need to write it down? Well, I, I'll be honest with you. I've not got a great memory. That's why I need to write things down. Then I can come back to it again and again. Because if God said, I want to remind myself what God said. And I want to declare it. Now, why would I declare it? Why would I declare a word that God has spoken to me? And Well, I want to declare it because I want to speak it forth. I want to say, I believe this. I believe that God has spoken and I'm doing something with it. Well, who am I speaking to when I declare it? Well, I might be speaking to the people around me. Some of you remember a dear friend who's now in Germany or South Africa. I can't remember where he is today. Shola. Um, one of the prophetic words he had was to learn to play golf. And he shared his faith on the golf course over a number of years. And he went from being a complete beginner at golf to being very good at it. But he shared that prophetic word with a few other men. And a number of us committed together, gave some money and bought him a golf club. Not the whole set. I got, we wanted to be part of his prophetic destiny being outworked. And so actually, one of the reasons why I think it's good to share this stuff, share what God has said, is because others can join us in faith and say, I'm with you in this. I mean, um, Juliet did not just start Abba Father's house because she had a plan. God spoke to her. God spoke to her many times about Abba Father's life. I choose to stand alongside Julia, as many of us do, in the midst of this destiny around Abba Father's house. I'm in it for the long race. I want to see the prophetic words that have been spoken about Abba Father's house fulfilled. Not just in part, in full. And there's some battles to be won there. Julia gave you a bit of a hint there. You know, there's some, there's some, the, the, the Ugandan government are changing their mindset on some things about the way things need to be done. Okay, that's going to mean some adjustment. But some of that adjustment needs to be maybe resisted or firmly just said, oh, okay, we're, we're going to do that, but we're not going to do that. And that requires a gift of wisdom. Wage a good warfare. Now, not only is that for us and for those around us, it's also, now, does, does God need to be reminded about what he said to us? I'm sure God remembers, but he likes us. He likes to be reminded that we remember. God, I am trusting you for this. You promised and I'm trusting you for this. You said, you know, it says, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, then I will hear from heaven you know, and heal their land. You know, there's so much in a scripture like that. And so we can look at what God has said to us and do something with it. But there's another reason why we need to declare it. And that's because there are people who want, particularly the enemy wants to stop us fulfilling our prophetic destiny. And we need to stand on the promises that God has given us. 
And so we wage a good warfare. We wage a good warfare. So there is a battle and we need to get a perspective from who we are. We are children of God. This is where it starts. It starts from within. Who are we? Well, I'm a child of God. I was created in God's image. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And God is going to complete what he started. He continues to speak into yours and my life through his words, the Bible, through prophetic words, words of knowledge, words of wisdom. And I'm believing that he will fulfill his purpose in me and through me. And so my final scripture this morning is 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. And it's the one that's the memory verse for this week. I think it's good to connect these things together. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and a sound mind. Did you know, you and I have sound minds. God did not create a faulty brain in us. But, you know, brains can get a bit... Computers. Anybody have a computer stop working in the room? Okay. Now, when it was first made, it was okay. Okay, but programs have come along, software updates have happened, wear and tear has caused things to not quite work as they should do, fluff and those kind of things, you know. If if anybody wants to know why their computer's overheating, it's probably full of fluff and dust and it needs a bit of a clean. Same is true about our bodies and our lives. Sometimes our heads are full of stuff. And we need a cleanse. We need a cleansing. Maybe of our minds. Maybe of our spirits sometimes. You know, and if we kind of, if we like the fluff and the stuff, we will overheat from time to time. But actually sometimes we just need the fresh wind of the Holy Spirit just to blow us through and clear us out. For God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and a sound mind. It starts with a right mindset. You and I are fearfully and wonderfully made. We're created in God's image. He's going to complete that work. He's going to complete that. He's going to see that work to completion. So we need to listen. And I don't know whether you've heard me say this, but I will say this because I keep on believing this. This book for me, I call it the Bible, but that's one thing. But if I'm in a school, I will often talk about, I'm just going to read something from my handbook for maintenance. Okay, if anybody has ever had a Haynes manual for a car, I don't know whether they still do them these days, but it tells you how to run your car, maintain your car. That's my handbook for maintenance. If I get lost, and I'm not talking about maps here, although my Bible does have some maps in it, but if I, if I get lost in my thinking, then I turn to my, my, my map, my, my guidebook for life. I turn to it and I say, I'm a bit lost. Can you help me find myself? And I'm led to scriptures that remind me that I am precious, I'm valuable. Uh, And in God's eyes, you know, you and I are precious. And then finally, I reference it as a book of wisdom. I reference it as a book of wisdom because it's a book that you can always turn to. You can listen, you can grasp hold and say, and some people say, yeah, but it's such an old book, Dave. What, shouldn't you update it? Well, actually, I believe the principles in here. If we believe, therefore, God's creation and God created you and me, then they're valid today as much as they were valid 100 years ago or even 1,000 years ago or even 2,000 years ago. Okay, we may change the, 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 the language because we don't understand thouest and things like that anymore. 
But actually the principles behind this change us. And if we get a hold of those principles, the battle is already won. If we get hold of those principles, the battle is already won. So winning the battle from within starts with us understanding who we are. If we understand who we are and we understand that we're fearfully and wonderfully made, then sometimes the battle is already done. Sometimes the battle is won without a bullet being shot, without a word being said. And it becomes the rumour of the war rather than the war itself that gets dealt with. For God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and a sound mind. Let me pray. Father God, thank you that we are created by you for your pleasure. Father, thank you that you loved us so much that even when we go off course, you made a way. There is a place of redemption, and that is through Jesus, your son, who you sent to this earth to die and pay the price in our place. He went to the cross, was crucified, died and rose again, and the fear of sin and death has gone. Help us to live in the reality of that battle which is won. That battle that was won on the cross. If it be your will. Take this cup from me, Jesus said. But he submitted himself to his father's will. And his father's will was done. And Jesus not only died as the son of God and son of man, but he rose again. The tomb is empty. And so we live in the reality of the battle is won. But we can choose to start to draw ourselves to another battle and another battle and another battle. But actually the crux of this is the battle has already won in eternity. The work has been done. The price has been paid. And I just want to share a picture even as I'm praying right now. I think there's some people, maybe some people who are listening online right now, who just sense, don't realise that the price has been paid. It's effectively you could walk into a shop and there's something with a price on it. And there's a label next to that price that says, but this is free to you right now. And you can't believe it. You're still trying to find the money to pay for you know, this thing, this eternal life, this value. This purpose, this destiny, this made in the Father's image. And actually, we don't realise it, so we're kind of still rushing around trying to work out how we're going to earn the money to pay for this. God's already provided that way. It's free for there, for us to take, for us to receive, for us to know, for us to live in the reality of that. Because the battle has already been won. And there's three things I felt I wanted to pray for this morning. Number one is I wanted to pray for, peace who, pray for people who are battling with peace. Actually, you, if I asked you, you would say to me, Dave, no, I don't have a peaceful life. My life is not full of peace. And I'm not promising that our lives are completely without trouble and strife. But if we start from a default setting of peace, then we come back to peace each time, rather than starting from a default setting of war. Now, if our default setting is war, then we enjoy the peace once in a while, but we expect it to pass and go back to war. If our default setting is peace, 
And the, the Bible says, peace, but not as the world sees it. So I want to encourage, for those people who are battling with finding peace at all, receive peace today. Receive a gift of peace. No peace in your spirit. No peace from the inside. Notice the whole title here was winning the battle from within. If you are peaceful inside and you choose to protect yourself, then it's very difficult for people to take your peace away. You, you choose to not listen to things. You choose to walk away from certain conversations. You choose to um, say, I'm going to stop this conversation right now and we'll come back to it in the future. But right now, we need to stop. Because you just sense your peace is being stolen and the battle is beginning to rage. Someone who has peace at their centre, someone who's a peacemaker, someone who's a peaceholder, will know that and do that. So I just pray that God would impart peace to you right now. Two, there is a sense of, uh, I wanted to pray for people who struggle with who they are. Maybe they've come from, you know, maybe if they went back in their history and looked at their, their heritage, they'd find that they've got six, seven different nationalities and you know, maybe they don't know certain people in their past. But I want to say to you, God knows. And I want to say to you the scripture that David wrote, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And that's not just about biology. That's not just about DNA. And mankind is still uncovering the mysteries of what God has created. Now, this is, this is, this is not a place where science is inventing. Science is uncovering what God has created. But if you're questioning, because you just maybe you you think I'm well, I'm a I'm a I'm a mess. Sometimes people might say I'm a mess ethnically. I'm a mess from you know my family or go back into my family's history. Please, we do not have to be. We do not have to be the result of our history. History can be rewritten. God can change our past. We can be reborn. That's what becoming a Christian is, to be born again. To be born again by the Spirit, not of the flesh. And the spiritual man rises up and suddenly some of the flesh stuff disappears into the past. And we become a new creation in God, in his hands, in his eyes. So do not be confused about your past. Just know that you're a child of God. And in being a child of God, you have a, he has a plan and a destiny for your life. And in having a plan and a destiny for your life, there is great purpose. Read, read Jeremiah 29, verse 11. And finally, and finally, I want to pray about this. And it's this, this area of I'm always in a battle. Maybe you feel like, you know, you, you seem to cause battle sometimes. Or battles seem to be drawn to you. I just want to encourage you to think about the lightning rod. Not the light, you are the lightning rod of the battle. You are not the focus. But let's get our eyes fixed on actually Christ is our lightning rod. Allow him to draw the battles to him. Because he's already paid the price. We don't have to be the forerunner. We don't have to be the advance guard. Jesus doesn't need protecting. 
We don't have to fight the battle and then come back to Jesus all weary and wounded. We need to understand that Christ is our captain. Christ is our Lord. And listen to the captain's command. Listen to his words and his way. And let his will be done in your life. Of winning the battle from within.